Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. I've been reading this book. It's called COVID Operation. What happened, why it happened, and what's next. And it's written by Pamela Popper and Shane Pryor. Now, this book was recommended, I believe, by Dr. McCullough on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. I want to read something to you about what is on record with the United States as a result from an investigation that was performed after the H1N1 swine flu, quote-unquote, pandemic. According to the Centers for Disease Control's website, about 9% of the world's population is affected by the seasonal flu annually, with up to 1 billion infections, 3 to 5 million severe cases, and 300 to 500,000 deaths per year. It is estimated that 20% of Americans are affected, with 25 to 50 million documented cases, 225,000 hospitalizations, and tens of thousands of deaths annually. Historically, the elderly account for 90% of influenza deaths. These data are for normal years. One season that was considered abnormal was 2009 to 2010, during which the swine flu, H1N1, was circulating. CDC data shows that there were 60.8 million cases, 274,304 hospitalizations, and 12,469 deaths from the swine flu in the United States. It is estimated that as many as 575,400 people died of H1N1 worldwide during a one-year period. On June 11, 2009, the World Health Organization declared that H1N1 was a pandemic after 70 countries reported cases of the novel influenza A, H1N1. Records show that even with the higher number of cases and deaths with H1N1, there was no reaction to declare a pandemic. A sign that something was not right was when the CDC instructed healthcare professionals to stop testing for H1N1 and to assume that everyone who presented with flu-like symptoms had H1N1 flu and to report it as such. 
CDC's statement to the public was that resources should not be wasted on testing when the government had already determined that there was a pandemic. A possible reason for this policy change was that the U.S. government had ordered 193 million doses of flu vaccine and needed to quote-unquote sell these doses to the public. And the CDC's directive to stop testing was an attempt to prevent the public from learning the truth about the number of cases, which most certainly would have reduced interest in the vaccine. A CBS News investigation confirmed this was the case. CBS requested state-by-state testing results for the period prior to the halting of the lab testing by the CDC. The CDC refused to provide the data, so CBS filed a request under the Freedom of Information Act with the Department of Health and Human Services and also asked all 50 states to provide their data on lab-confirmed H1N1 prior to the order to discontinue testing. The results when the data were finally turned over? The majority of patients were negative for both H1N1 and seasonal flu, even though the states were testing patients deemed to be at the highest risk of having H1N1 such as people who had visited Mexico. Health authorities reported that these people had colds or upper respiratory infections, but not the flu. The bottom line was that the predicted epidemic of flu, along with the deaths and comorbidity, did not take place. Instead of telling the public the truth, the CDC lied to make its prediction appear to be true and to promote flu vaccines. The World Health Organization was an active participant in the deception. According to the Committee on Social Health and Family Affairs of the Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe, which is known as PACE, the WHO engaged in fear-mongering with H1N1 flu without any evidence to back its actions. As a result, approximately $18 billion was squandered worldwide. PACE determined who colluded with drug companies, turning run-of-the-mill flu into a pandemic. Drug companies benefited financially. Millions of people were vaccinated without cause and without evidence that the vaccine was effective since it was not clinically tested. Testimony at a public hearing included this statement, quote, We are witnessing a gigantic misallocation of resources in terms of public health. Governments and public health services are wasting huge amounts of money in investing in pandemic diseases whose evidence base is weak, unquote. Epidemiologist Wolfgang Woodarg said the Quote, false pandemic, unquote, is one of the greatest medical scandals of the century. Dr. Ulrich Kiel, director of the WHO Collaborating Center for Epidemiology in Munster, Germany, agreed. The swine flu was actually much milder than the seasonal flu. The CDC later reported that the death rate was one-tenth to one-third of the death rate from normal flu season. Why would the WHO have declared a pandemic when there was none? Not surprisingly, the drug companies influenced the response with so much to gain. Three scientists who helped develop WHO guidelines on pandemic influenza preparedness had consulted for drug companies that would profit from the WHO policies concerning pandemics. These conflicts were not disclosed in a document titled WHO Guidelines on the Use of Antivirals and Vaccine During an Influenza Pandemic, issued in 2004. The WHO refused to reveal the names of the members of the WHO Emergency Committee set up to guide response to the H1N1 pandemic. This is concerning since the responsibility of this committee included when to change and increase the response rate. An additional motivation was revealed by Margaret Chan, at the time WHO Director General. 
She said in a speech that, quote, ministers of health, unquote, should take advantage of the, quote, devastating impact, unquote, swine flu will have on poor nations to get out the messages that, quote, changes in the functioning of the global economy, unquote, are needed to, quote, distribute wealth on the basis of values like community solidarity, equity, and social justice, unquote. She further declared that the pandemic should be used as a weapon against, quote, international policies and systems that govern financial markets, economies, commerce, trade, and foreign affairs, end quote. In other words, Chan looked at fake pandemics as a form of social engineering to be executed according to her beliefs, of course. Other than some temporary embarrassment, there were no real consequences for any of the people who were active participants in the swine flu deception, so there would be no reason not to do the same thing again in the future. And I just want to put this out there. The reason I read this to you and the reason that I want to bring this to your attention, it's not to scare you. It's not to make you think that you've been deceived into doing something that could be reckless or harmful for your body. Because I think that most vaccines are safe. I just also don't think this was an actual vaccine. And I just want you to have the information so that you're aware of why there are so many people like me who have no faith or trust in big institutions or even our government because this has already happened to us. And let's not fool ourselves. The H1N1 pandemic probably wasn't the first time this has happened. And as I go along in this book, I'm probably going to discover more and more instances where big money and big pharma and big government and big tech and big media have collaborated to deceive us so that they can make money out of that deception. Really, I just want you to be aware that there are some of us out here that think for ourselves and that recall the history that we've experienced. Now I wasn't alive for the Spanish flu, but I was alive for H1N1. And I was alive during the times where government and big pharma have interacted in ways that it doesn't benefit us personally, it just benefits them financially. And knowing that information helps people make better and more informed decisions going forward. You wanna trust your government, you wanna trust doctors, you wanna trust modern medicine, you want to trust Big Pharma, you want to trust CNN, you go ahead. There are millions, if not billions of us out here in this world that have no faith in big institutions. And a lot of that comes from our religious and our spiritual faith and beliefs. We don't believe in the systems that were set up to oppose people and to concentrate power and money for a very few. Because as we know, no matter what, history always repeats itself. And if I'm going to go along those lines, I'm going to remind myself that history has always contained rich, powerful people who have wanted to control the great collective so that their lives can be more enjoyable without any regard for the quality of our lives. And with all that, that's it. That's the podcast. I'm going to be bringing you little snippets of this book as I'm reading it. And again, if you want to check it out, it's called COVID Operation. What happened? Why it happened? And what's next? And it was written by Pamela A. Popper and Shane D. Pryor. I hope you check out the next episode, part two, COVID operation. Thanks for listening. 